Brewers minicamp wraps up today, and nothing happened in those three days beyond Antonio Brown's pathetic cry for help. So much for the significance of minicamp. The Pirates won yesterday, but they have still lost eight series in a row. They host Cincinnati tomorrow at PNC Park. If they win that game, that's two in a row. If they win against Saturday, that's called a winning streak. It has happened before. The World Cup opened up today. In the opening match, the host, Russia, killed Saudi Arabia 5-0, so Putin won't have to murder anybody. The U.S. Open started today at Shinnecock Hills. That's no shotgun. That's my love gun. Here's an update. Tiger Woods, after four holes, is four over par. To which I can only add, (laughs) it's over. And that's pretty much all I got, which isn't good because I've got two hours and 58 more minutes to fill. I will have to live by my considerable wits. This is the Mark Madden Show. I have a tested IQ of 166. I am a certified super genius, and you can't teach that. Bada boom, smartest guy in the room. 412-333-9939 is the number to call, or you can follow me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. Oh, and I do hear the Penguins would like to trade up in the NHL draft, as in way up in the draft to get a player that could make the team immediately. But that would be top five, and I just don't see the general manager, Jim Rutherford, I don't see him sacrificing what it would take to do that. Uh, I read all the quotes from Keith Butler yesterday, the Steelers defensive coordinator, and he talked about working on tackling uh, when training camp starts. Butler said that pro football players don't know the fundamentals of tackling. How can pro football players not know the fundamentals of tackling? But but I agree. I watch. I see. They don't. Whenever I hear a high school coach talking about scheme, I think, boy, that coach's players don't know how to block and tackle. Uh, to be honest, I will believe the Steelers will tackle more at camp when it actually happens. That's something that sounds good to say. When your team's not tackling well, we're going to work on it at camp. But there's just too much risk involved. We got Bob Labriola from Steelers.com at 3.30. And I will ask Labs about that. I also want to talk about flipping Dupree and Watt, the outside linebackers, switching sides with the other. Dupree is the guy who played worse last year. And Watt is the guy who played better last year and it seems like they're trying to help the guy who played worse at the potential expense of the guy who played better Uh, the bottom line is they didn't replace Shazier and the D is going to be a lot worse Uh, Butler made a real good point when he noted that the Steelers won five games last year by kicking a field goal at the end The Steelers go 8-8 if they don't make those kicks. Here's a great quote from Butler. 
13 and 3 ain't worth the crap when you look at the postseason because we're 0 and 1 net, unquote. Now that is exactly how a Steeler should talk. The Steelers still haven't picked a free safety. Tim Benz wrote about that today in the Trib. Remember, the plan was going to be to move Sean Davis there, and it still might be, but now the Steelers aren't so sure. I think they're planning to put Davis at free safety. I just don't think they're satisfied with the brief look they've had at him in that slot. Uh, Now, the plan was to play a bunch of safeties to cover up for lack of inside backers, but now the Steelers aren't even sure about their safeties. I don't think we've realized yet. I mean, we know, but we don't know how big a loss Shazier is. We talk next man up all the time with the Steelers, and sometimes that works, but it won't with Shazier. We know, but we don't know. It's big, but we don't yet know how big. Allowing 45 points in a playoff game probably should have been a clue. But wow, losing that speed, speed that was both vertical and horizontal, losing Shazier has been crippling. It's not just next man up. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster was complaining about lack of privacy. Sounds like another nut job receiver we all know. Juju can't go to Giant Eagle without being bothered. So all he does is lock his door and play video games. That's Juju's fault, just like it is with Antonio Brown. If you don't want the spotlight, don't seek it out. Stay off social media. You don't get to be an attention whore on your own terms. Uh, The Pirates almost blew it yesterday at Arizona in that series finale. They were up 5-2 going into the last of the ninth and gave up two runs, but not three. Mercer hit a home run. Tyon pitched well. Tyon has the stuff. He just needs consistency. Duh. Uh, Paul Zeiss at the Post-Gazette wrote something about Hurdle getting a free pass. It was a fan mailbag in response to an email. Uh, Hurdle is doing a terrible job. Just terrible. He plays Rodriguez too much. This outfield rotation is a joke. The pitchers aren't getting any better. Maybe that's on Ray Searage. But for the talent hurdle hats, his one lost record has always been right about what it should be. And he fits perfectly into the Pirates' method of operation, which is just be competitive. Same with the GM, Neil Huntington does exactly what the owner requires, and my God, how the money rolls in. Uh, This season has been odd for the Pirates so far because it seems like they stink. Because lately they do stink. They've done horrible lately. Horrible. Terrible. But their record is 33-35, and and given what they got, that's about right. Maybe even a bit better than expected. This series at home against Cincinnati, who stink worse, that could give the Pirates some momentum. They got to win the series. They got to win two out of three. And if you win all three games, suddenly you're back above 500. Got to give a congratulatory note to my friend JP Della Camera, 
He did the play-by-play on Fox Sports today for uh, Saudi Arabia against Russia in the World Cup opener. He used to be the play-by-play guy for the Pittsburgh Spirit. I knew him back when, and since then has become a soccer broadcasting legend. So it was great to turn on Russia against Saudi Arabia and hear the dulcet tones of J.P. Della Camera. We got Bob Labriola at 3.30. Going to talk Steelers minicamp with him. We got Josh Owey at 4.30. We're going to talk about that rumor I heard about the Penguins want to trade up in the NHL draft. And we'll talk about where some of the plum free agents might be landing uh, this coming offseason. Don't forget, free agency in the NHL starts on July 1st. We're also going to talk about this campaign by players like Nick Boynton, who used to be a goon, and Daniel Carcillo, who used to be a hack. Uh, They're on that Players' Tribune website talking about how head trauma has damaged their lives after hockey. And I feel bad about that, but they're not the guys to talk about it. Uh, They weren't just recipients. They were carriers of head trauma. Let me hear Pat LaFontaine talk about that. Let me hear Paul Correa talk about that. Let me hear Sidney Crosby talk about that. Let me hear guys who could play talk about that and weren't at all handing it out. They were just taking it. I'll talk about that at 4 o'clock here on 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. I'm Mark, sorry. I'm talking to my son. Um, no one cares at all. No one. The X at 105.9. Tiger was with a birdie on the fifth hole at Shinnecock. He is now three over after five holes. He trails Dustin Johnson by five strokes after five holes. Dustin Johnson, the tournament favorite, two under after five. Tiger had a triple bogey on the first hole. Not exactly the start you want to get off to at Shinnecock Hills. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, As I mentioned, the World Cup started. And I'm curious to see what the TV ratings are like in America for the tournament. Uh, What with the United States not involved and with no games at night. Uh, The last game on a typical day starts at 2 p.m. Eastern time here in America. Uh, That doesn't bode well for TV ratings. Now, in terms of interest, By U.S. soccer fans, Americans often root for the country of their ancestry, especially if they get on a roll. Then again, the Italians and Irish aren't involved. I mean, it just keeps looking worse and worse when you consider the interest of American soccer fans in this tournament. Now, America should like soccer more than it does. Uh, It has grace and athleticism. Normal-sized people can play and excel. The action is nonstop. There's no huddles, no face-offs, etc. To me, soccer is far preferable to American football. An average NFL game is clocked at 60 minutes. It takes over three hours to play, sometimes well over three hours. And there's about 11 minutes of actual action. It boggles my mind that America fell in love with watching guys mostly just stand around. Uh, American football is such a repetitive, 
predictable game. Now, in terms of why soccer is not bigger in America, well, we went over that yesterday. It's just not a sport popular with teenage kids to play. Football's number one, basketball, baseball, soccer is way behind. And, and I'm sorry, that high school experience stays with you the rest of your life. Now, I can understand those who don't like the diving in soccer, uh, the writhing around on the ground. I don't like it either. Unfortunately, it's part of the game's culture. But the good in soccer far outweighs the bad. America should like it more than it does, but America is just never going to catch on. I I said a moment ago, soccer is great because normal-sized guys can play and excel. In the totally opposite vein, check out the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com today. I posted a video. It's a youth basketball tournament. I think it's played in Spain, uh, judging by the signage. And it's 12 and under, 12 years old and under, boys. And the hoops are at 8 feet. I I don't know why the hoops are at 8 feet. Because I would think at that age you'd be playing with 10-foot hoops. And every other reference I can find to age group basketball, kids are playing with regulation 10-foot hoops by that point. But they're not at this tournament. And this team from Quebec has a 6-foot-10 kid, Oliver Ryu. This video is so funny. you got to see it. He's like this huge guy in this swarm of little kids, little, little kids. And with the hoop at eight foot, he's just kind of reaching up and lowering the ball into the basket, not even dunking all the time. He's not horribly coordinated, as you would guess, with a 12-year-old at six foot ten. But it's just incredible the level of domination he has, especially on an eight-foot hoop. He'd dominate on a 10-foot hoop, too. But an 8-foot hoop, you know what it reminded me of? Did you see the movie Blue Chips? Nick Nolte as the basketball coach who goes crooked. Bob Cousy was the athletic director. That was a nice cameo. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal, Penny Hardaway. Uh, a kind of clumsy, oafish movie, but a decent watch. This six foot ten kid playing with the eight foot hoops. It reminds me when Shaq's characters at the preschool, and he's holding up a waste basket to serve as a basket. And when the kids throw the ball at the waste basket, he just swats it away with his free hand. At one point, this kid Ryu rejects some kid who's like half his height, and then stares him down, like stoops over and stares him down. You, you got to see this video. Every picture tells a story, don't it? And uh, this video tells one heck of a funny story. Not so much for the short kids, but hey, get taller. It is basketball. The hoop is 10 feet. Well, okay, in this case, 8 foot high. Check that out on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. The first time I saw the video, I just thought, fee fi fo fum Just, just. Tremendous. 
And, oh, wait. His team didn't win the tournament. They lost by one point in the final to Real Madrid. Like, you know, the soccer team, they have a sports club, and they have all kinds of teams. I don't know how you lose the game if you have a 6'10 center on 8-foot hoops. But they did. And the entire game is available to watch on YouTube. But come on, who has time for that? 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, A quick music note. I've been looking for new bands to listen to. You know what band I'm going to start listening to? And they were just here and I didn't see them. I might like Ghost. I've listened to several of their songs today. They got the kind of Satan gimmick going, but it's pop metal with great hooks. I'm going to check it out. Like I said, I listened to a couple songs today. They remind me of Blue Oyster Cult, who who I love. Up next, we're going to talk Steelers with the man on the scene. Every day with the Steelers, be it minicamp, Latrobe, every game. He's the man in charge at Steelers.com. It's Bob Labriola. He's up next on 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. They're going to nail us no matter what we do, so we might as well have a good time. Toga, toga. The X at 105.9. Steelers wrap up minicamp today. Joining me now from Steelers.com, he's the man in charge, Bob Labriola. Labs, what's going on at free safety? We presumed that Sean Davis was going to move there. Uh, was our assumption premature? I don't think so. Um, you know, I, I, uh, one of the things I, I think that happens um, in, when this is discussed uh, between the, the coaching staff and the media is that, you know, traditionally fans um, and others look at uh, the safety positions, you know, as strong safety and free safety. That's kind of the way we were raised with it. But the Steelers look at it more as left and right. And both guys have to be able to, um, you know, play some uh, down in the box, closer to the line of scrimmage, um, you know, if necessary. And both guys, you know, if everything is as you would like it to be from a coaching standpoint, both guys should be able to, um, you know, play some modified center field uh, and do some coverage things as well. So I think what's going on right now is they're really kind of trying to figure out what they have back there, uh, who can do what, and if they can really, you know, kind of do it the way they would really like to, which is left and right with each of the guys being versatile enough to handle um, the assignments, or if it's going to be more of a strong and free like we have come to uh, expect it to be. So um, I think maybe it'll shake out a little bit more during training camp. Well, at the other safety, uh, Morgan Burnett has made quite the impression. He just got here labs, and already people seem to be raving. Yeah, he's a he's a pro. Uh, he really is, and um, you know, it, it, it kind of surprised me uh, because uh, the Steelers signed him at a very, very reasonable contract for a player, you know, of his ability, his age, you know, uh, those kind of things. I was surprised that the Packers let him get away for you know what the Steelers ended up paying him, but uh, yeah, that was a that was a nice addition, and uh, I expect him to be a starter uh, for the season opener in Cleveland, and then you know the rest of the season. Now, you hear a lot about using safeties, multiple safeties, 
instead of inside backers. Uh, what's the latest on that? Well, you know, I, that's, I think that that's um, something that's going to be hammered out at, at training camp. You know, one of the things that kind of became pretty clear uh, to the Steelers was that there was no such thing as replacing Ryan Shazier, at least not in the sense of, you know, a player-for-player player kind of thing. Um, you know, there just aren't any of those guys. There weren't any in, in the draft this year. There were some guys who were close approximations maybe, uh, but certainly not uh, capable of giving you everything that Ryan Shazier did. So uh, I think that it's going to be kind of a, uh, a by-committee uh, approach in personnel ways and, you know, from a scheme standpoint, uh, a, a by-committee kind of thing there as well. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, we'll, you'll see a lot of nickel as we have. Uh, I think there will be some dime, which is six defensive backs. You know, there could be some seven defensive backs even if the seven defensive back formation can show that it can stop the run. Because I think one of the things that opponents will go to right away when the Steelers are in six defensive backs is try to run the ball on them. And if they can't stop the run, like they were having trouble doing at the end of last year without Shazier, uh, they're going to continue to see that uh, from the opposition. And then you won't see any uh, seven defensive backs unless you know the other team is far behind at the end of the game and it's a throw the ball on every down situation anyway. So um, you know it's going to be interesting. One of the things that um, I understand and, and uh, Keith Butler and uh, Tom Bradley both talked about this the other day. There's going to be more tackling uh, at training camp this year. Um, the, the 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 I guess that well Tom Bradley was hired because he's a teacher and so. Um, you know, and I was talking to him about the tackling, and he said, you know, it's hard to teach tackling unless you're in pads doing it. So I think that there's, we're going to see more uh, tackling in training camp. You have a lot of young guys, again, fighting for playing time and roles on defense. And so, you know, it's not like you're putting, you know, a defensive player of the year out there in Troy Polamalu and asking him to tackle, you know, some free agent running back. I mean, there, there's young guys going against young guys. And so, hey, um, you know, bang a little bit and uh, work on it and see how it shakes out. Now, I understand the desire to improve tackling, and Keith Butler certainly talked about it uh, relatively extensively, but there is risk if you practice tackling. I mean, I, I can't believe they want to take that risk, even though there would be technique to be gained. Well, uh, what you see is, you know, uh, and this started uh, – three summers ago, I think, when, when Mike Tomlin introduced the live tackling period. You know, back then, you know, Le'Veon carried the first play of that period the first time it ever happened. And I can't remember another time he ever touched the ball <laughs> in that period. So that's, that's what I mean. You know, when you have those guys, Le'Veon um, and the running, uh, at the running back, those guys wouldn't be carrying the ball. And on the tackling side, you know, I don't think you're going to see a lot of Joe Hayden and, you know, those kind of defensive backs involved either. So it's a, it's a tackling teaching period, but most often, you know, it quickly degenerates into young guy on young guy because, as you mentioned, there, there is a risk. Now, you mentioned Tom Bradley, and he's made a big impression in his initial days as the DB's coach. Could he be used beyond that? Because with all his years coordinating laps, it seems like he would be a great resource for Keith Butler to perhaps bounce things off of. Absolutely. And the other thing is, is that, you know, as we're seeing, 
um, a lot of things from college football are trickling into the NFL in terms of spread offenses and read options and run pass options. A lot of the new offensive things started in college. And, you know, Tom Bradley has had some years under his belt trying to deal with those things both in uh, from a schematic standpoint and in terms of personnel and, you know, how you want to coach that personnel. So, yes, um, you, what you're saying is correct. He will be more, you know, in those meetings, his uh, experience with some of these things, his opinion will be a factor in the game planning sessions. We're talking to Bob Labrioli. You can check out his work at Steelers.com. You can hear him on the Steelers Radio Network pregame show. Uh, Labs, why are they flipping Watt and Dupree, an outside backer? I know they want to help Dupree, but could that wind up hurting Watt? Um, I don't. I don't necessarily think so. Uh, I, I believe that you know uh, the right outside linebacker position. You know Joey Porter, James Harrison, uh, Greg Lloyd. Uh, th- that that was that. That's a rush, primarily a rush position, and I believe that that is Bud Dupree's strength. Um, he was a little bit miscast last year, I think, in some of the uh, coverage uh, responsibilities that were uh, asked of him. And so, you know, you're paying him nine million dollars this year, as nine million, whatever it is, uh, as the in the uh, fifth year option of his rookie deal. And so, I think to get the most out of him, uh, you want to play him to his strength. And so, you put him on the right side, and you know, turn him loose on the passer. Uh, T.J. Watt showed himself to be a lot more versatile. Let me say this than I thought he was going to be. Maybe the Steelers coaches. Uh, saw this in him during the pre-draft process, but I didn't think he was going to be a guy like this. Um, you know, there was a little bit of an obscure stat that the NFL came up with. Um, you know, and T.J. Watt was the only linebacker in the NFL last year who had numbers uh, in all of the um, uh, defensive categories: tackles, sacks, interceptions, passes, defense forced fumbles, and he had a minimum, whatever the minimum was, in each of those categories. So this is a guy who can do a lot of things and has shown that he can do them even at this level, and I think that you know he's just going to improve uh, as he learns more about being a pro and, and learn more about the defense. And so I think that you know we may see um, you know T.J. Watt be – being asked to do different things, but I don't know necessarily that it will reduce his impact on the field. Now, with Gerald Hawkins out, is depth suddenly a concern on the offensive line? Yes. Um, Gerald Hawkins, you know, um, Mike Munchak did a really nice job with this guy, in my opinion. Uh, He showed some flashes as a rookie, uh, which was like three years ago, um, and then got hurt. And then his second season... He shows up at camp, not that he was out of shape or anything, but um, I, I thought, he, this guy's going to get cut. He's awful. Um, but Munchak resurrected him sufficiently, and the Steelers kept him, I would guess, because Mike Munchak said, I, I think I can get something out of this guy. Um, now, coming into this year, Chris Hubbard was another Mike Munchak uh, project who turned out uh, a lot better than I had any expectation of him turning out. He signed a big deal with the Browns, and so it was Hawkins' turn to be that third tackle. Um, so, you know, him him going down certainly is a loss. Uh, the Steelers did use their second pick on the third round on Chuk Sakura for who was drafted as a project, 
but now, um, you know, uh, he might not get a red shirt this year, depending on, you know, what happens if, if Gilbert and, uh, Al Villanueva stay healthy, uh, then yeah, he gets a red shirt. But if not, um, you know, Mike Munchak may find himself having to get this guy ready to play, at least in some limited capacity. So, um, I think on the interior of the offensive line, that there's good depth there with BJ Finney, who can do, uh, either the, play either the guard positions or center. Which is critical, and um, but a tackle, um, you know, Mike Munchak may have to work a little magic. Now we know Lev Bell is going to show up eventually, but did the Steelers have enough depth at running back labs? And is this going to be a big training camp for James Conner? Um, yeah, it is, and I'll tell you what, James Conner has been to me one of the, um, for lack of a better word, highlights of this football in shorts period. Um, he looks. He looks good. Um, and uh, granted, there's no tackling, there's no pads, but he has a nice burst to him. Um, he's, he's, uh, he looks quicker, maybe a little faster. Uh, he's running easily. He's not bothered by any of the soft tissue, tissue situations, uh, that hampered him through the, uh, last year's offseason program. And he really looks to be, in terms of what the ball in his hands, he looks to be, uh, what the Steelers will need him to be this offseason or this coming season. Now, what really hurt James Conner last year was he wasn't good in pass protection. Now, I don't know. I don't think he was unwilling. I think it was more he was confused and didn't know where the rush was coming from. You know, but he he um, was the cause of an interception for sure in the Bears game. He didn't pick up the right guy. Ben got blasted and the ball fluttered out and was uh, intercepted and. You know, here, if you can't protect the quarterback on third downs, you can't play on third downs because uh, defenses are going to come after Ben. That's that's one of the uh, proven ways to play defense uh, against a high-powered passing offense, go after the quarterback. Um, Connor wasn't very good at that, and that's why, more than anything else, his uh, playing time was very limited. Now, I would expect in his second season um, he should be better uh, equipped to understand his responsibilities in pass protection, but we're going to see that at camp in the preseason too. And I don't care how good James Conner looks running the ball. If he can't pick up linebackers, if he doesn't know his responsibilities in protection, um, he won't play because, you know, Le'Veon, uh, say anything you want about him, and there's a lot of things that deserve to be said, but this is a guy who is willing and good at uh, protecting Ben in passing situations. And so, uh, again, if you can't do that, you can't play here. He's so good at protecting the passer labs, I think they should pay him the money of a top back, a top receiver, and maybe a top guard. I call his agent. Who knows? It's probably not too late <laughs> to get that added on to the total. Hey, and finally, uh, we, we know the Steelers aren't too far behind the teams that, that did better than them in last year's playoffs, New England and Jacksonville. How do they close that gap? It's not huge, but how do they close it? Well, you know, uh, and I don't want to, I'm not going to sit here and, and make excuses um, because, uh, I don't know, I just, I always hate that. Uh, but obviously the defense has to play better. It just does. You've got to be able to stop the run, um, not, not steal curtain, shut it down like they did in 1974, but you can't be giving up. Uh, the, the yards per carry and the total yards like the Steelers did in Jacksonville against Jacksonville in the playoffs and in the regular season game for that matter. 
Um, now, the other thing is, you know, there were 14 points in that Jacksonville playoff game that came from turnovers directly from the offense. And you, they have to quit turning the ball over in big games like that. I mean, you know, those kind of mistakes, you, you're – this this team is a good team. It's talented, but it's not good enough where it can't beat itself, and they got to quit doing that stuff. Um, you know, as far as New England, I don't know what's going on up there. I really don't. I mean, you know, Belichick, his his motto, no days off, dude. But this guy is acting unlike himself. Um, so I don't know if he's, uh, you know, losing his verve for it or if this Brady-Alex Guerrero thing is – been threatening his dictatorship and you know he's tired of that or what's going on but new england i won't say they're a mess but you know brady and gronkowski skipped all of the uh optional offseason edelman is whatever doing and with stuff in his body that they can't identify uh is this guerrero is he taking over all the training and belichick has honked off about it i mean not that any of these things are you know, they're going to kill the franchise or anything, but it's very un-New England-like. It's very un-New England-like. So, um, you know, I don't I don't really know what's going on with them. Uh, but Jacksonville, they're going to be formidable. And then the West, um, you know, the Chargers, uh, the Chargers, uh, they, they still, uh, th- I still think that they have uh, some things uh, that, that will allow them to compete. And who knows what Chucky's going to do in Oakland. <laughs> Labs, great stuff. You have six weeks off now, correct? Six weeks minus one day. Well, enjoy every day of it, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, Mark. Take care. That's the great Bob Labriola. Does does some fine work for Steelers.com, so be sure to check out his work. That is one thing about covering the Steelers. From minicamp to Latrobe, there's nothing. No draft. Free agency's pretty much done. Nothing. Uh, just around the corner... We're going to talk about uh, the World Cup a little bit. We're going to talk about, well, just a little bit, because I know you people don't care. We're going to talk about uh, Nick Boynton and Daniel Carcillo, two guys who endangered everybody's safety in hockey, and all of a sudden they want a safety and probably some money as well. And you know who got manhandled? Stan Lee. The Marvel Comics guy. Poor old bastard. Elder abuse. We'll talk about that in just a moment here on 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark, big fan, big fan. Good show. Like the uh, entertainment. There'd be candy bars, lollipops, and the occasional nickel. DX at 105.9. Thanks to Bob Labriola for joining me. As I said before we had Labs on and discussed with him, that loss is Shazier. We knew it was big. I'm not sure we still know how big. Losing that speed, both vertical and horizontal. That said, even though you can't replace Shazier with one guy, I'm shocked they didn't do more to patch that hole at inside backer. I'm shocked they didn't draft somebody in some round. I'm shocked the best they did in the free agency was Bostic and I can't help but think it's going to haunt them this coming season. You almost cringe. Roll your eyes. Something like that when you hear Butler say, we got to stop the run. 
It's a total passing league. But the Steelers were exposed, especially in that Jacksonville playoff game, exposed as being so terrible against the run that that might be their biggest problem defensively. Not that they're airtight against the pass either. Antonio Brown claimed on Tuesday he can't work out without people intruding. But I just saw on social media, I don't know how recent these are, but he has often posted video and photos of people running with him, which encourages, needless to say, I said Tuesday and I say again now, that rant on Tuesday was a cry for help. Uh, Stan Lee, the Marvel Comics guy, the creator of uh, all those characters, is reportedly a victim of elder abuse at age 95 by his advisor and business manager. Geez, where's a superhero when you need one? That is just terrible. In that vein, Joaquin Phoenix wants to play the Joker in a movie. I guess there's a studio now that just does DC Comics movies. So Joaquin Phoenix wants to play the Joker and Ben Affleck will not be Batman in the next Batman flick and there's a sequel to Suicide Squad. Boy, that's a lot of movies for me to pointedly not see. I hate superhero movies. Luckily on July 4th, the fourth installment of The Purge. Purge and Purify. Purge and Purify. I don't know if, if this event tonight will do much to purify me, but I'm a cheerleaders. They have uh, some version of the world championship of pole dancing. Girls from all over the country. That's right up my street, needless to say. Although, I'd rather see super hot girls who aren't that great at pole dancing, per se. The athleticism, the pyrotechnics, the aerial ability... I'd rather see hot girls struggle at that, you know, with things flopping everywhere, than lesser talent that can really work that pole. You know where they should really have the uh, world championships of pole dancing? Shinnecock Hills. That's no shotgun. That's my love gun. In just 30 seconds, I'm going to talk about the problem of head trauma in hockey and how what it needs most are better spokesmen. I'm Mark Madden on 105.9 EX.